Radio Primavera Sound, powered by SEAT. Welcome to the Weekly Review, the radio show where two adults try to understand an ever-changing world through the pop-cultural landscape with the aid of a bright young mind. The adults are Ben Cardew Hello. and myself, Johan Wald, and the bright young mind is none other than Mar Baiverdu. Hi. This week's album is Japanese Breakfast's Jubilee. The new album from Michelle Joner takes us back to various time frames, but it's also got us thinking about food. Glorious food. There's nothing to stop us from getting a thrill when we all close our eyes and imagine food, glorious food, especially breakfasts. What is the best breakfast ever? We shall discuss. I can actually affirm that breakfast in Japan is one of the most satisfying meals with which to begin a day. Speaking of which, we shall also talk a little bit about Kero Kero Bonito, who find inspiration in J-pop and the type of 8-bit sounds taken from Japanese video games, among many other sources of entertainment. That song, Entertainment, with an intro that could or could not remind a few listeners of David Bowie's China Girl, belongs to Parisian band Phoenix, who have just been added to next year's Primavera Sound 2022 lineup. The quartet from Versailles will play Saturday the 11th, along with Tame Impala, Yeah Yeah Yes, Georgia Smith, Megazine Stallion, Daniel Avery, and many more. We know they are locked up making new music. They've teased a couple of snippets of their work in progress, but so far there's no official release date. The last proper single we heard from them was the song Identical, which featured on frontman Thomas Mars's wife, Sofia Coppola's last movie, On the Rocks, starring Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. That song will apparently be included in the new album too. But anyway, let's begin with the album of the week, Jubilee, the third from Japanese Breakfast, the musical project of one Michelle Zoner, who also directs her own videos and this year has become a published New York Times best-selling author. She began making music with numerous outfits with names like Little Girl Big Spoon, Post Post, and eventually formed the band Little Big League in Philadelphia before moving to Portland to spend time with her mother who was diagnosed with cancer. It was the passing of her mother that inspired her to write her memoir, Crying in H Mart, published last April, which became an instant bestseller and has now been picked up to become a feature film, which will also include music by Japanese Breakfast. Uh, it's, re it's relevant to mention the tragedy of her family lost because writing a book and an album which sounds this luminous is quite a feat for any artist. The record is f does sound like it's full of optimism and has many bright corners, proving that in her case, creativity has been a consoling force. What did you think of Jubilee, my dears? I loved it. I loved it so much. I love her. I Before this album, I already liked Japanese Breakfast, but I think it's this one that made me put her like in my top tier artists that I love the most. Actually, I didn't really know her before. Um, I was vaguely aware of her and, and um, 
we when we started to, to decide we were going to look at this i i sort of dived into her and i really enjoyed it i didn't know i didn't know what to expect or anything i thought she was a bit more sort of like indian shoegazy but this was mm. like a really big pop record wasn't it in fact i was reading about paprika which is the um opening track apparently they maxed out the tracks on pro tools like they had so much stuff on it they couldn't go any further and that is the kind of thing um i really uh, agree with it's just like indie pop book with an emphasis on the pop, right? Really, really, really well done, like kind of ambitious um, and be sweet. It sounds like Madonna in the 80s. What? Mm-hmm. How more can you It want? could have been lifted off. The, even the way she sings, it's very early Madonna. It makes you want to dance like this trend that I don't know if it's only on TikTok, but it, it, they say like dancing like a white woman and it's like this um, Scarlett Johansson clip from The Marriage Story and she's like dancing like this with her hands up and closing her eyes and that is how I felt when I, I listened to Wait this week. Wait a minute, hang, yeah, hang on, hang on. <laughs> dive in, Johan. So there is a, there is a trend on TikTok yeah. which is white white woman dancing? Yeah, and, and you it's like, have you seen Marriage Story? Yes. And there's a scene where Scarlett Johansson is dancing like kind of relieved um, in, I don't know, when she's dancing with her eyes closed. Yeah. And, and it's very white womanish dance, very specific to this adult woman. I don't know how to explain it. And, and everybody's being like, I have, I'm having a bad day. I'm going to do the white woman dance to, to oh relieve. Oh, my God. And, and, and be, I don't know, try to be happy again. With I'm the a day. fan. Hey, I've, I've, do you want some more info, right? <laughs> the, the thing is, apparently white girl dancing, right? Well, this is what you got to do. Caress your body regardless mm-hmm. of the beat or lyric playing. Just rub your hands all over your body, run your fingers through your hair and fling those arms above your head with your eyes closed to feel your main character fantasy. Exactly. That's exactly. And that's how I want to dance when I listen to Be Sweet. It, it makes you want to dance like this and, and it's so relieving actually dancing like this in your house or wherever you are in the street maybe uh, this this brings up an interesting thing sorry this is slightly un-Japanese breakfast but right <laughs> okay so TikTok really came to the fore last year okay really really came to the fore when none of us could go out and dance so everyone was dancing on TikTok so what's it going to do for actual dancing when people go back like will the next concert we go to will people be dancing really well <laughs> so that they can film it on TikTok that'll probably no, well, just maybe they've learned the moves they've actually yeah. started to think about it it won't be like me sort of does like a bet that maybe in the Megan Thee Stallion concert if Savage comes on or something that re- had a really strict like choreography to it people maybe will dance to it in a mm. concert one of my favorite moments in pop culture was at uh, the end of an episode of Girls where she comes back, Lena Dunham's character, Hannah, comes back from partying and she's, on, she's surfing internet and she listens to Robin's Dancing on My Own. And, and yeah. then uh, I think it's Marnie or I don't know who comes back home as well and they start dancing together and it's a proper white girl dancing moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It that's is exactly so brilliant. the same feeling, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that, that probably propulsed Robin even further high up with, with that song. Um, yeah, 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 I love that moment. This week has this kind of energy and I didn't expect that from um, Japanese Breakfast because she's kind of a little bit sad indie queen like I have her in the like mid ski box like hmm. I know I'm gonna be sad after listening to it but but I'm, I wanna be this kind of sad but in this album I don't know at least the first two songs I was feeling a little bit under under the weather the, f- the first time I listened to it and when the first two songs came on I was like oh I'm actually it makes me feel happier it makes me I don't know wanna dance or I don't know not feel as bad um 
of course, as the record goes on, it makes you feel depressed again. But it's surprising <laughs> that at least the the first few songs are more like joyful. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Stuff. That song about her dog dancing is harsh. In hell. Oh, that's my about her dog. God. And it's about her. Okay, I didn't know it was about her dog. I thought it was about the mom, which was even sadder. No, uh, this thing on Apple Music, it, this might be the saddest song I've ever written. It's a companion song to In Heaven off, off of Psychopomp because it's about the same dog. But here I'm putting that dog down. Jesus Christ, that's that, sad. Wow. Savage. Yeah. And then Slide Tackle has a dose of sax. Uh, saxophone that seems to appear the saxophone seems to be appearing in loads of contemporary pop albums all of a sudden like the sax is cool again when for ages it was something that was scorned as much as guitar solos but suddenly there's this resurgence in popularity kids on tiktok or all of a sudden even kids are learning to play the saxophone (laughs) even kenny g has returned to being I've always thought he was cool, but that's me because I'm a nerd. But, uh, you know, he, he, Kanye West hired him to play the saxophone for Kim on a St. Valentine's Day. Maybe that's why they got divorced. Uh, <laughs> then, but then uh, The weekend also had him guest on his track In Your Eyes. And, and he brought him on some of the live performances on TV and on award ceremonies. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's curious that the sax is appearing everywhere and all of a sudden it's here in Jubilee. It reminds me a lot as well of uh, Destroyer's mm, Kaput that had a lot of saxophone energy on there. Well, it's, it's very 80s, isn't it? It's kind of 80s refracted through the 2000s, the saxophone. And we're all into the 2000s, aren't we, Ma? Tell me, are we in the, two th- into yeah, the 2000s? Yeah, of yeah, course. But best there. It's interesting because um, Japanese Breakfast, well, um, Michelle, she was, she was born in 1989, so she didn't really, she wasn't, consciously you know she wasn't conscious in the 80s she's kind of reimagining the mm. 80s from obviously from watching the movies and, and she's a music nerd you know every interview you read about her she's always name dropping most of the bands that we've all been listening to so it's i like her sound of the 80s because it's it's not pastiche it's you know she's got certain sounds and stuff that might remind you of 80s like we were saying like like early madonna and stuff but it still sounds very very much japanese breakfast yeah it has modern. her es- like it, uh, it's what you said you can see like influences or that she's now gone a little bit more pop than she normally does or a little bit more 80s but it's still you can tell it's japanese breakfast like there's still the essence of her in the whole album which it's obvious, but some of the artists, when they go a different route, they kind of lose themselves. And I, uh, to me, it's not the case that she kept it. It reminded me a little of Bell and Sebastian or, or Camera Obscura, you know, bands mm. like that who started off with from sort of quite a sort of flimsy, uh, in a good way, indie, indie vibe, you know, kind of like shambling. And then they added on loads of like, you know, keyboards and, and orchestral things and stuff like that. And that is absolutely what I love, that kind of like indie pop in, in that kind of way. I thought it was interesting as well. Apparently, she said like she was trying to get away from being kind of sad. You know, mm-hmm. she'd, she'd released two incredibly sad albums, you know, following, you know, the history mm-hmm. we, we were talking about. And apparently for this one, um, well, she called it joyful, but it, it and kind of the start it is. But my God, by the end, it's pretty... <laughs> by the end, you're not joyful. I mean, anymore. In Hell is is uh, maybe just because I love dogs, but that really, mm-hmm. that really killed me. 
Well, she even does that very 90s indie thing that bands would do, which is end the album with a long, slow track that would become instrumental and usher the listener out, right? Mm-hmm. This, this was a clear way of knowing that you'd just listened to an indie album. Loads of people <laughs> were doing it. I would always look forward to a band's last track, hoping that it would go that way. For instance, one of my favorite albums years ago was Last Days of April's Ascent to the Stars or the Boo Radley's Wake Up. I don't know, it, was, it almost became a gimmick, but in a good, a, in a good way. And she told Apple Music, music this i love a long six minute song to show off a little bit it starts off as an understated acoustic guitar ballad that reminded me of wilco's at least that's what you said which also morphs from this intimate acoustic scene before exploding into a long guitar solo to me it always has felt like jeff tweedy is saying everything that can't be said in that moment through his instrument and i loved that idea i wanted to challenge myself to do the same to write a long sprawling emotional solo where i expressed everything that couldn't be said with words can i say something about apple music yes and this album sorry this is a bit niche but i'm going for it anyway <laughs> like you know how on apple music they now have these animated uh, album covers right well this one basically has an animated album cover and it just slows like in and out of focus and it drives me insane it really does like basically you're looking at it, it's like oh that looks out of focus then it like goes back into focus like all right it's good then it goes out of focus it's just like it's so annoying why would they do that like i remember you first pointed that out with the taylor swift album i think and it was nice wasn't it? but but it feels like forced now if they have to out of focus things or put glitter and stuff like just well, I, just don't do anything i have a theory as to why you would do it for jubilee right and it kind of ties into what johan i think is going to be talking about okay so when you are of a certain age right mm-hmm. as as i am right <laughs> um very you know i mean my site's always been bad but like various other kind of you know sight starts to go bad in various other different ways yeah. right like if you're like short-sighted you might become a bit long-sighted as well it's depressing don't ever grow <laughs> um so that is really annoying for someone when you get when you get to my age 43 maybe it's their way of saying old people don't listen to this record this is for the kids you can bugger off with your references to bell and sebastian and and 80s madonna because this is not for you and they just put it on there it's like you know how like they have those they used to do this thing in Britain where they put like really high pitched noises when they wanted kids to go away. Like they put that from benches and stuff. They had like really high pitched noises that only like young people can hear. So it was absolutely intolerable. And I reckon it's like that, but reverse. It's like old people, you cannot listen to this. That's it's my a theory. great theory, but is <laughs> Japanese not. breakfast not um, adulthood um, appropriate? Or do you like, do you think people who are older will not? like it oh no no i totally think they will but again and johan i don't want to step on your toes here but i think almost the problem is with something like this is that we listen to it or like biba doobie right we listen to it and they're like hey this sounds like the 90s and the last thing you want is like is when you do that is someone to go yeah this sounds like something 30 years ago that i think and so maybe it's a way of getting away from that it's not saying you can't listen to it but it's like just saying you know you know okay. let, let other people enjoy it i mean obviously we've thoroughly referenced the 90s already haven't we but you know well this this kind of brings up a little problem i think because indie is kind of slowly seeping back in through younger generations you know appreciating the mood of indie-ness i just had this terrifying thought all these twin twenty teenagers are going to come to a festival like primavera sound to see bands like japanese breakfast who is playing next year and find themselves surrounded by very elder people who reminisce about the sound of when they were young What an intolerable experience. Audiences can ruin the live experience of a band. 
I remember going to watch Sigur Ross at San Jordi years ago and being surrounded by grown men like me well they were a bit older than me weeping and actually singing back in Hopalandish or whatever onomatopoeic sounds they thought were loyal to what Jonesy was singing was cooing it was the most horrible experience it was cringe you know that I've had at a gig that sounds good no 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 <laughs> seeing a grown man with a beard and a beer belly like doing the white girl dance but slow motion <laughs> like feeling his body like <laughs> And like, hang on, we are recording video of this, right? Because that needs to be seen. That was, that was, uh, I, I was like in the corner, like all my, you know, I'd been this, I'd been listening to Sigaros on my own in my bedroom for years, you know, like imagining my, you know, that I'm in Iceland or in some glacier, super emo about, you know, not finding the love of my life or whatever, being a single guy, Uh, you know, and I, I was imagining swimming with whales and like shoegazing and you know, like that's the indie thing, right? And all of a sudden I'm here surrounded by all these dudes, you know, like, oh, like, no, no. And it's like, shit, I am these guys. I'm, you know, I also want to feel my body like the, like in a TikTok video, but I can't. And I was, I felt so, cr- it, it was just a cringe fest. I couldn't deal with that. It was really pathetic. So imagine you're this young person and you've built this fantasy world where you're, you know, around Japanese breakfast, where everyone is young and wearing pastel colored t-shirts locked in their bedrooms, moping and feeling very woeful because every indie kid of every generation likes to mope and feel melancholy. It's actually very satisfying. But only when the sorrow is fake, not when it's, (laughs) you know, when it's fabricated, not when it's like real hard stuff. It isn't fun when it's a real problem, basically. Anyway, imagine the new indie kids, they come running to the front row of a Japanese brekkie show only to bump into the beer bellies of sad grown men who are going through a midlife crisis and are only a bit sad because they had to sip white wine out of a plastic cup at Primavera Sound (laughs) instead of real glass. It will be a bit of a bajon because it'll be a sharp reminder of what's to come for them. You know, it's like we're all going to grow old. We're all going to be sad and moping and, and like trying to make sense out of our past through modern records and stuff. Bear in mind. I will be prepared because I didn't even think, I didn't cross my mind that the audience will not be like me multiplicated by 50. No, Ma, Ma, you're watching Japanese Breakfast with us. You forget about your friends. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, established yeah. this. You're, com- you're coming with us, all right? I'm just playing an old but- man also. <laughs> <laughs> I would hate to see how you would do that. And But that, that's, what, that's another thing why we still go to festivals like Primavera Sound because you kind of see your teenage heroes growing gracefully. Like Someone like Nick Cave, I think, is like, okay, if I can keep it keep my shit together to look that good by that age and wear those kind of suits and stuff I'm fine but when you see I don't know other people that haven't done that well (laughs) it's just a harsh reminder there's you know there's no there's no pardon for anyone Johan can I ask you a question about Mm -hmm. the anecdote when you were watching Sigur Ross yeah were you a bit jealous? Like, did you actually want to be there, like rubbing your hands doing no. my go dance? No, 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 no. My world, my the the world I had built in my mind was shattered because I realized that damn, we're all we're all the same, and this is what it really looks like. And it was just no, no, no. I did not want to. I think the crisis was knowing you would eventually be that person, and that's the the thing that crushes you the most. <laughs> no, when you oh, I am going to be like I cannot criticize it too much because. 
I will eventually be the person in the front row not caring about the teenagers being like mad that you exist because it's I don't know yes I, I completely relate even though I have not been to a an Icelandic um, concert <laughs> <laughs> about emo <laughs> uh, yeah but anyway how about we listen to some some we've, we've been talking about Japanese breakfast without hearing a single note be sweet let's do it I guess that, you know, the, 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 what is that kind of instrumentation? It sounds like a John Hughes soundtrack, kind of. Well, the, the 80s sound that I'm alluding to is, is present on this song. Um, Do you know what? Forget you, young people. She's ours. <laughs> She's ours. She's ours. <laughs> she was born in 1989. What year were you born in? 97. Oh, damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's your elder sister. Okay. Um, but as I say, what's amazing is not only has she delivered this incredible record, she's also <laughs> delivered last April uh, a book that became an instant bestseller. Crying. I found, I, oh, sorry, yeah, crying in the H mark. Sorry, I interrupted you. But I found that just a bit too much. I was like, come on, come on, a New York Times bestseller, come on. Let her cry at me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, I'm going to read what it said on uh, the Waterstones website. Uh, With humor and heart, she tells of growing up the only Asian-American kid at her school in Eugene, Oregon, of struggling with her mother's particular high expectations of her, of a painful adolescence, of treasured months spent in her grandmother's tiny apartment in Seoul, where she and her mother would bond late at night over heaping plates of food. The H-Mart, alluded to in the book's title, is a chain of supermarkets specializing in Asian products. So the image of her crying next to the shelf of seaweed because she no longer has someone to call to ask for guidance on how to apply these ingredients is something I guess we can all connect with in some, at some point, on some level. How such an ordinary act of shopping for groceries can trigger a deep emotion, you know, it can happen to most of us. Um, I still haven't been able to read the book, but uh, as a fan of Asian ingredients and condiments and cooking, you know, I... I I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like. I want to hear more about these experiences. It's it's gonna be a movie as well. So if you don't want to read the book, you can just wait until it's a, a movie. And, mm -hmm. and the, the basically the this album is for the the movie as well. Do you get nostalgic with through food? Do you have? Is there anything that you've eaten, Ben or Mar, that has either brought a tear to your eye or I don't know, just made you feel warm inside? Well, one thing I was just thinking about when you said that was like my grandmother, uh, who died many, many years ago, she used to make the most amazing meringues, right? Like no one made meringues What as good as that. Merengue. Ah, okay. I didn't know it was. It could be a, an English thing But too. Just in case our listeners do have never tried a meringue, it's basically egg whites that have been whi uh, whi whipped up. Uh, until it's a nice sort of consistent froth, and usually you made it make it even more consistent by adding sugar syrup or sugar, depending if it's uh, Swiss technique or Italian or French. Mm. 
Look at no, that merengue knowledge. Sweet, merengue yeah. One, I can't remember which is which. One is with uh, sugar syrup. The other is with sugar directly. And the other one, the third one. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm yeah. so surprised by the deep knowledge of, of meringues. Honestly, yes. you could. you could, that, I'm really impressed. But anyway, she used to make the most amazing meringues. And I was just thinking the other day, I'll never get the secret of her recipe. Because I don't know. I just, she didn't tell me the recipe. And that, it's gone. All that knowledge is gone. One of the funnest things when that happens is when, when you learn a little <laughs> yeah. bit about cooking is trying to recreate a recipe from like, it's like, okay, trying to guess the ingredients because your, your sensory memory, it, it doesn't fail. And you can tell when something doesn't taste. For instance, I'm really angry at the Milky Bar chocolate bars, the white chocolate bars, because mm -hmm. they do not taste like when I was little. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it had a particular flavor and they changed the recipe. I don't know when Nestle bought it or if it was always Nestle. I don't know. It's one of, the, one of these things that sometimes when people sell a brand, sometimes they'll, they will leave an ingredient out just to... I don't know, out of spite or something. Yeah. Are you sure they've changed? It's not just your the way you're thinking about it. Oh, I'm positive. I am. Po I remember the taste of Milky Bar when I was small, and it's just not the same. It's not bad. It's still good, but there's a little something there that's that's missing. But there's this whole kind of phenomenon, right, where people uh, like, for, you know, what cream eggs are. Maybe you don't know what cream eggs are. If everyone lived in the UK, basically, cream eggs are these like Cadbury's eggs that. that oh yes. Yeah. What was what, what? So it's like oh, it's a, a chocolate egg. Okay. And it's filled with like a white kind of fondant, sugary sugary okay, fondant. So like a kinder. And a yellow. Yeah, but it's but it, it's almost like imitating what you would like if if you po if you poached an egg in its shell oh. and you opened it, but it's chocolate and sweet. Okay. It's Weird. so sweet. <laughs> yeah. No, really good. But like there's this big phenomenon apparently people are always complaining that they like are smaller than they were a kid and like um, so the, the, they keep on having to like every year about Easter when they sell most of them the company keeps on having to say no they're not smaller your hands are bigger <laughs> basically <laughs> these um, <clears throat> false memories basically Ribena doesn't taste the same as when I was little <laughs> and I I love Ribena it's a it's a it's a great uh, black currant drink in England very popular okay. and uh, same thing when I was when I was little and I'd go visit my grandmother I would always drink liters of Ribena and every time I go to the UK it just doesn't taste the same they've, they've done something with the formula it's not bad I still like it but mm. yeah what, what's your what's your Ratatouille moment you know that for movie Ratatouille when the, when the well, I don't want to spoil it but there's a <laughs> moment where the, old, yeah. I think it's alright <laughs> they spoil the movie <laughs> if you haven't seen Ratatouille at this stage what's wrong with you <laughs> and they spoil it but there's a moment where the food critic goes to try and, and they oh, serve yeah. him a very simple Ratatouille and all of a sudden you know the way it's shot you know the, or drawn he goes back to his childhood you know and he's there in his grandmother's house eating Ratatouille and, and a tear falls out it's one of the most emotional moments ever <laughs> in a movie about food I did have a Ratatouille movie because I, I went on Erasmus like an exchange with university and I was living in Sydney so I was very very far away from everything related to Spanish um, food and my father came to visit me for a few weeks and I was like please 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 just bring back um, Spanish ham or yeah, something. Yeah, jamón. Yeah, jamón and fuet and stuff like this. But because I, I, I cannot live a day longer without having it just a little bit. And and he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, um, apparently, there's a law that you cannot bring like raw meat um, out, of, out of your country or something. And I was like so devastated and stuff. And then when he came, he had like um, hidden 
among like in between the, the clothes and everything um a little bit of 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 sweat and, and, yeah. and ham and everything and, and he could have gone to jail for doing that but the experience i had Tasting that piece of wet, I, I I almost fainted like the man in Ratatouille. It was the best wet I have ever had, just because I hadn't had it in months. I always smuggle, um, you know, Iberian ham, jamón ibérico, and stuff because it's vacuum sealed. So there's no way a dog could smell it through the through the but plastic. But apparently, they make you sign lots of stuff, yeah, yeah. like you're not bringing food, you're not doing stuff, and if they for some reason, find it during bad, uh, bad. Your position. dad is brilliant. Big up to your dad for that one. I mean, that's that's. It's it, that, that as a as a person who's you know born and raised in Spain. That's what I miss the most. Even when I go on a short holiday, uh, I'm short like short long holiday, like a two weeks outside of Spain. When I get back, it's like I need the jamón, I need the tortilla de patata. The co- I need. Ah, I just need to binge. No matter. Even if you go to somewhere like uh, amazing, like Asia, where food is just endless and there's so many flavors and stuff, but after a while, it's like, yeah, but I need that Spanish umami. Mm. Do you know? Do you know what I really miss? And this is probably going to revolt you. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking like we all the Spanish people have this superiority complex about food and Mediterranean stuff. But <laughs> as an English person, as a what? As a Scottish Irish person, how? Uh, what is the thing you miss? Like well, I'm about to tell you, is battered <laughs> I'm pizzas. So curious. Battered pizzas. Battered pizzas. What's a battered pizza? No, Ben. You, take, you know those small pizzas you get. You take one of them and you batter it and you deep fry it. Oh, no. Don't look at me like that. It's not that bad. It's lovely. Ooh, what? hang on. But that I, I sounds don't even like. I understand a, the concept. Maybe if I smoke a bag of weed <laughs> that apparently produces something called Munties, that sounds like proper Munties. What? You, you take a pizza, pe- like frozen pizza. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And you bat you f- you you dip it in batter, like yes. a mixture no. of flour and, yes. and liquid. I cannot believe that. And then you deep fry it. Yes. No would way. you do this at home or would no this is from the chip shop i used to order um like a battered pizza and chips and like big chips as well how and are I- you so lean and slim <laughs> I, I don't know i couldn't do it today i wouldn't be able to eat for like a week after that oh my have God. you ever tried making it here at home if you miss it but yeah you would get burnt or something no because it sounds like there's a lot of frying in that yeah world. i discovered last week in an Italian restaurant, fried pizza, just the just the dough, okay, just the dough, not extreme version. No, 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 will. But it is it is a it is something of fantasy. So I just buy the the ones in the supermarket, the Casa Tarradellas uh. or Butoni ones, and you deep fry it, and it and it gets really crisp and stuff. And then you just put some nice confit um, cherry tomatoes and some rucola on mm. top, and it is you know you've got that sort of crispy mm, golden brown kind of uh, pizza crust. No, and uh, it's 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 very gourmet. It's Hang very on. gourmet. So like, but that's deep- not the same as your your d- deep fried batter. <laughs> All right, so deep fried brie is like a delicacy in the in the top French restaurants, and deep fr- and that's acceptable. Deep fried pizza isn't. Mm. Go tell them that. <laughs> it's, no, I'm telling you that. There's always a way of refining things in 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 a in, a, in hot cuisine. But what about isn't isn't it typical in Scotland to f- deep fry Mars bars? Yes. Yeah. No way. How yes. are how is a person alive in Scotland like <laughs> fry? everything and the worst things like things that are unhealthy already like pizza and mars bars if Ferran Adria did a deep fried mars bar you'd be like oh it's so clever what an incredible and he probably thing. has 
<laughs> Whereas if some bloke in a Scottish chip shop does it, you're like, it's disgusting. Different Mars bars are all right. When was the last time you had this? You, you, if you had this now, you might just go into diabetic. The last time I had it was about 20 years ago. We decided oh basically, some friends of mine, we had a deep fat fry and we decided we were going to try deep frying stuff. So we started with a Mars bar and we did a Bounty and a Snickers. <laughs> and then we did a CD. I'm not quite sure what. No! <laughs> it's on I hope you change the oil afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I, Actually, oh, I think. Oh we did. God! <laughs> but it is actually quite sophisticated to to deep fry a Mars. Is it a frozen Mars bar we're talking about, or no. just a normal one? I think it's How just a normal it? one. I'm not 100 sure. But you deep fry it really quickly. Yeah, because yeah. it would melt. It doesn't really well, it, make I, sense. And, and did you think about it? The outer bit just melts a bit, and you got like. But did you did you batter it first? Did you put like a protective yeah, yeah, coating? Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. No, no. This can actually be refined. But the the thing is. It's the quantity that you put in your body. That's the danger. You know, just have a little, you know, little... I think yeah, you would actually like it because I, I like yeah. the most disgusting stuff, but it sounds horrible for your body. Like, I know immediately you would have a, a week-long stomachache just to look at the deep-fried Mars bars, which sounds still very stupid. Scotland it, has a far lower life expectancy than the rest yeah. of the UK. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a fact, sadly. Speaking of deep-fried desserts, the Japanese are actually very good at these kind of inventions. They love sweet. And, uh, mm. well, Japan is weird because a lot of their desserts don't have that much high level of sugar. But that's where you find all these weird inventions. Hang on. It wasn't the Japanese. We were talking about Taiwan the other day. There you are, the inventors of, uh, in Taiwan is the origin of the... Bubble tea? The bubble tea. Mm -hmm. Okay. But so when you go to Korea or Japan and stuff, there's loads of these sort of dessert shops where you have all these weird inventions of deep frying ice cream and yeah. and, and loads of chocolate bars and stuff like that. Um, but I, I was trying to segue into a Japanese breakfast, but uh, it's, it's not working. I'm just <laughs> going to go straight to it. Um, do you know what is what a Japanese breakfast consists of? Um, I'm guessing something very different from here. Like I... From the anime that I watched when I was little, when anime meaning Doraemon. Doraemon. Basically. Well, Doraemon famously has the dorayakis. Which are not chocolate, apparently. It's no, like. Uh, it's a uh, bean. It's yeah, a azuki beans, uh, you know, cooked down in, in a bit of sugar. I was so devastated to learn that because I always thought it was like some type of chocolate or something. Yeah, yeah. It's well, no, no. Beans. It's azuki beans <laughs> stewed in, in sugar. Um, you know, the, 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 the dish, com the, the typical Japanese breakfast is a combination made based on the Ichiju Sansai principle, which means having a bowl of soup and three side dishes with the rice during one meal. Miso soup is usually what they serve and it's great on the stomach. There's always there's, there tends to be an animal protein, usually fish or blue fish like mackerel or salmon and it may come steamed, seared in a pan or as a raw sashimi. So it's it's quite it's it's a very fulfilling breakfast and for some reason you don't feel you know, there's not a lot of like fat or deep fried <laughs> wonders, but that brings well, me unless to you then deep fry the Japanese breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you could deep fry it. <laughs> that would be good. They've always got pickles, which pickles are wonderful on the stomach uh, because it 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 
it it uh, creates the bacterial good bacterial activity mm. so it's really good for digestion any kind of fermented stuff in the case of um, Japanese breakfast she's actually of Korean descent and the Koreans they have kimchi with everything mm-hmm. which is fermented um, cabbage a uh, fermented cabbage with garlic and um, red peppers and uh, I think it's got a bit of vinegar yeah and that's wonderful you know if you have kimchi with everything that's why you, you see that they've got they've physically people in Japan and Korea you see a lot of slim people all throughout their lives is this one of my cringy sort of cl- uh, it can I, you, it, you, <laughs> it can become a garden <laughs> it can become sumo a gar- wrestlers apart from sumo wrestlers <laughs> i was going to say but they they go to extra lengths of to to get that the, in that in that physical state but it is true the general population in both korea and japan uh, is is that they're very slim you don't see that many cases of obesity like in places like the united states or europe where <coughs> our mm, where our diets mm, we did fried pizza yeah. where we have fried pizza <laughs> uh, but i have to thanks say thanks for saying we there by the way <laughs> <laughs> Even though I I'm a fan of the Japanese breakfast, I love a good full-on English breakfast. What I don't know how it is for vegetarians. What do you, what do you take um, out the Yeah, you take out the bacon, take it or maybe add like vegetarian bacon, vegetarian sausage. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Do 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 you actually have like English breakfast for breakfast? Like not I mean English people, do they really go out there and and fry the bacon and do like two eggs and no and all very this very few people because who's got the time it's actually like there. a special thing isn't yeah, it yeah it's like a weekend thing maybe yeah. you know if, if you got uh, if you got kind of time yeah. to do it and yeah. another of my favorite weekend breakfasts it's very boozy is the brunch the classic brunch what do you think has to be in a brunch i have never had brunch oh what? come on <laughs> Come on, Mark. I can't believe that for a second. You've never had brunch. That is ludicrous. It's become the capital of brunches. I cannot work in Primavera Sound if I haven't had brunch. But uh, it's just, if I wake up late, I just have lunch. When I wake up, I don't want to wait to have, I don't know. Hang on, wait a minute. In Catalonia, they have the esmorzar, which is almorzar. Uh, Esmorzar is between breakfast and lunch, no? No, it's breakfast. It's literally breakfast. But what about that midday, like typical yeah, from yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, con- okay. the people um, who work the, in the, the countryside? The sandwich w- that you eat in the middle, yeah. Or the capipota with a, with, a, with a glass of vermouth. Isn't that yeah, a typical kind of thing? But it, would that be brunch? Yes, because... Well, you- then I had plenty of bl- brunches during my life, but it's not as sophisticated. It's just a sandwich, like a, a un bocata de jamón. But when it's esmorzar a la forquilla, which is breakfast uh, okay, with a fork... Okay, then it's like almost... Um, English breakfast basically it's like yeah. it can even be a sausage or something or of course because you even have the butifarra the mongetas the san pao which is like the baked beans there might be a dra- I actually invented something called a full English heart attack I still haven't <laughs> patented it or made it public I, I entered it in a contest exclusive news so Shut basically <laughs> I was working at a fest- at festival in Isle of Wight um, hosting a, f- a show and uh, the- one of the production people said would you like something for breakfast you know because i had to you know not move from the set and i was like oh could i get some some i don't know some like an like oh i'd love an english breakfast he's like well that's not going to be able that's not going to be possible because i'm thinking well we're in england you know and i'm sure a festival in england has english breakfast so that that production person was so delightful they brought me 
like a kind of a, a, a hot dog with an egg, with a bit of a scrambled egg. And it, I don't know, it was just something that she'd put together, you know, improvising with what she could get from the food stalls. And I thought, hang on a minute, this this is actually a very good idea because usually the English breakfast you have you have to have it on a plate because you have the beans, the sausage, the bacon, the two eggs, the black pudding, the tomato. Nah, what else? The mushrooms, right? All these things on a big plate. So I thought, for people who are on the go, wouldn't this be good <laughs> if you could have it with your hands, no, in a sandwich? So basically, I invented a hot dog. <laughs> well, she invented the hot dog. I know, but I no, okay. She gave me the idea because no, it wasn't. She gave she brought. I think she brought crumpets or or a bap, okay. a, a bap which is like a bun, you know. Uh, but I thought, hang on, if we put a hot dog, you, you wrap uh, you wrap the hot dog in bacon. This has been done before, but then you put some nice scrambled eggs on top with some chives. And some nice mungetas de San Pao cooked in some nice tomato sauce with a little bit of, you know, something that will sweeten it to, to give that, you know, the, the imitation of Heinz baked beans. And then, you know, saute some, some mushrooms and put them on top. It's like that is actually, you know, that, a signature bocadillo. That's, that's my full English heart attack. No, I was going to say there's a bar um, in Sans Las Cors that does the craziest um, kind of sandwiches like this one. They, they put everything and and I bet they have done something similar like this or they want to steal your idea because I've, I've seen photos of the craziest, most weird combinations of sandwiches. Well, this is the thing. How do you patent something that has ingredients that everyone uses normally and you know well you call it after yourself like the earl of sandwich the what exactly the earl of sandwich that he, that's why the sandwich is called sandwich because there was the earl of sandwich who invented it it was a person who he he, he was a writer know. wasn't he he was writing and he and he, and he, and he i think he was hunting if i'm not wrong he was out on a hunt and he was like and he didn't have any time so just like i'll oh, just stick some meat between these two bits of bread and thus the sandwich was invented yeah. Do you not know that? No. Wow. Well, that is the origin so you, of sandwich. If you call that the Johan, I mean, you wouldn't patent it exactly. But, you mm. know, like 100 years from now, we're like, I wonder how the Johan got its name. We'd sort of beam into Wikipedia for our, our neural transmitters. Well, and they'd be like, yeah. Most of, like, it's like the Waldorf salad or the Caesar salad. Or, you know, they all usually, these legends come from hotels where these fancy, famous guests would stay. And they'd be like, no, prepare something that's not on the menu, something for me. And then, you know, you'd have the... Yeah, well, the, well, the Waldorf because it was the Waldorf Hotel, and it was some patron who would go regularly, and and they improvised. I don't know. I need to read. I can't remember. I used to know these off by heart. But so I, I would need to open a hotel first and serve it, or my own restaurant, and have some very famous clients come in and stuff. But no, I'm going to use internet. I'm patenting it. The the full English heart attack. That's the Johan's full English heart attack. We have an exclusive now. But Johan, imagine someone sure. ha- actually has a heart attack from it. Then, then I'd, feel, I'd feel terrible. No, but you'd be fine because it's not like you didn't warn them. It's like it's no. called the heart attack for crying out loud. Yeah. What did you want? You know, it's not called the full English sit down or the full English or the Johan's full feel well. It's the heart attack. They have a heart attack from it. They're warned. It's their own problem. I actually entered it into a hot dog contest at the Busterraza like last year. I didn't win, but because I I hadn't rehearsed it before. You know, it, it needed a bit more mm, sauce. It needed a bit more juiciness, I guess. It, it was everything was very nice and elegantly put together. But didn't you once um, judge a tortilla competition and someone put haggis in it or something like no, that? No, it was a paella, paella contest, and someone did a a, paella, a haggis paella. What's a haggis? Haggis Explain. is Scottish food. It's like um, the intestine. In, no? Intestines cooked like. 
minced uh, minced you, up. You, with, you fill a sheep's intestine or a, or a bladder or no. intestine, yeah, with offcuts of meat, um, oats and spices, and you cook it. Signature like you Scottish boil dish. it. But, I think you boil it. So it's a little bit like bui, bui blanc. Yeah, that was what I was going to say because we have weird stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, you know, you don't, in the countryside, you don't throw anything away. But that <laughs> that's one of the things that grossed me out once when I was in Edinburgh. And it was one of those late night chip shops that, you know, that, that serve yeah. food in the wee hours. And they had the haggis sort of deep fried there, but oh you could smell it, and it, no. it wasn't very appetizing. Honestly, deep fried haggis is one of the nicest things in the whole world. Then you say have the earlier. worst culinary taste, like we are discovering <laughs> now. You have the worst taste ever. I I don't know. I don't know if I want to go to Scotland anymore. Everything's deep fried. You didn't do like a great advertisement for your own country. This. In this episode, well, well, I I don't know if people love frying things. They, maybe they will go right after listening to this episode. Well, I'm going to convince you, right? And this is uh, a link that just occurred to me, right? Maybe you want to go to Scotland after listening to Scotch Forest by <laughs> DJ Scotch Egg. <laughs> I love a good Scotch egg. The the kids from Rooftop Smokehouse here in Barcelona, they do an incredible Scotch egg. Um, it's usually an egg covered in, if you don't know Mar or Ben knows, obviously. It's an egg covered in minced meat, right? Uh, surrounded by minced meat. You make a bowl and then you, you put um, breadcrumbs and stuff and deep fry it. And you can serve it cold. De- I know. Every- <laughs> <laughs> you cannot stop. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Do you deep fry Scotch eggs? Uh, I think theirs is. Oh right, okay. Their version is. It sounds is. correct. Because <laughs> well, otherwise, how do you cook the meat around the the egg? The if you wrap the egg, the ro- the bo- hard boiled egg in um, the minced meat or the mince whatever, I'm sure there's a vegan version. Then you you you, you form a bowl, a little bit like the bomba, mm-hmm. the 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 Barcelona bomba. The bomba yeah. is uh, minced meat surrounded by pureed potato and then you batter it not batter it you you bread it sorry you bread it in empanas and or empanizas as they would say in mexico and mexico and you and you deep fry it anyway i love a scotch egg <laughs> and another thing i love or i've recently gotten into is the band quero quero bonito who also draw a lot of inspiration from pot sounds of the past decade and have a strong japanese aesthetic kind of like Japanese breakfast, well, not Japanese breakfast, but uh, and they're this London, and they're from London. Kero um, Kero Bonito. Let's listen to a little bit.
Call them hyperpop, call them lo-fi indie bedroom 8-bit pop, this band, formed in 2011, is many things all at once. When listening back to their catalogue so far, you skip over many pop genres, making the experience feel like strolling through the Shibuya Crossing, assaulted by all those neon signs. They sound like your favourite Game Boy video games, but also sound like particular types of 90s indie pop bands that broke into the charts, like Echo Belly, Sneaker Pimps, Dubstar, <laughs> you know, that were able to meld many styles into one. The band was formed by producers and multi-instrumentalists Gus Loban and Jamie Bold, who put an ad out looking for a vocalist on an online bulletin board for Japanese expatriates, largely due to their interest in Japanese rap. They struck gold when their ad was answered by the highly charismatic and gifted Sara Midori Perry, also known as Sara Bonito, who apart from being fluent in both English and Japanese, is a natural performer. They really are the shuffle button at a party. From their earlier work, which was very much indebted to J-pop, they've tried their hand at different rhythms and created bangers all the way. Their debut from 2016, Bonito Generation, was met with rave reviews. Kate Hutchinson of The Guardian wrote that their no-fat nuggets have the hyper-slickness of kawaii J-pop while harking back to an era, the 90s obviously, when high-concept chart hits were as ubiquitous as boy bands' curtains. Don't know what she means by that, but anyway. Curtains, the hairstyle. Oh, uh, long, long yeah. hair like parted down the middle. Curtain. They called that curtains. Yeah, I used to have it. The curtain haircut. Yeah, I never heard <laughs> it. And I, I thought I was well versed in haircuts. No, 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 it's curtains. Ah, is that making a uh, uh, you? You've seen you see a lot of Tumblr and TikTok. Is that hairstyle? Because on Karate on Cobra Kai, one of the characters had the curtain haircut. He looked like a '90s boy band singer. And I thought, is this gonna make a comeback? It already did, and it's already out of style again. <laughs> no. The trend cycle is so fast now. It yeah. just lasts a few months. Well, trap trappers were like ASAP Rocky, not ASAP Rocky. Travis Scott had the kind of Afro version of the curtains, you know, where they have the braids parted symmetrically yeah. down the center. Lil Yachty, that yeah. kind of stuff. I guess, yeah, you could kind of say it's like the but, trap curtain. Mm. <laughs> in, uh, in TikTok, it was more like teenage boys that called themselves like e-boys and, and they had like the, the, the hairstyle, the curtains apparently. Mm. It's but it's also already out of style. It's already oh, dead. Kero it. <laughs> um, Kero Bonito is going to be performing at Primavera Sound as well, just like Japanese Breakfast. Um, they are associated with the PC music label, much like other performers are going to be. Once again, I remind. Danny El Hal, who was in Barcelona recently d doing a making a surprise appearance at Busterrata DJing. I felt so bad that you weren't there, Mar. You I hated you when you sent me like, I was there with him, seeing him play and I I was like, I'm gonna kill myself. I I think you would have gotten on. Okay, first of all, he's super tall. Like, he's taller than me, uh, and he was wearing this kind of leather jack coat, like kind of, uh, like like a long leather coat, like a what's like the reference? A French. Yeah, well, kind of like a bad guy in a '90s movie, no? Or like that you expect him to, or something like that. Yeah, like you expect a, a, a shotgun <laughs> to come from underneath and stuff. Um, and and he and he and he and he played a massive, uh, a very nice sort of very short one-hour DJ set. Very good. So that that's your tip, is it? Caro Caro Benito. Caro Caro Benito is so much fun. It, it's like you can just listen to them endlessly, and it's and I can just imagine them, imagine them being kind of like the Go Team, one of those bands that you have to put on at two in the morning, and you're going to guarantee that mm -hmm. everyone is going to be dancing and losing their their pajamas. Should we have a quick listen to Lip Slap? Lip Slap. Lip Slap.
Wonderful, caro, caro bonito. It was criminal to lower that. We were really getting into it. Yeah, I know. But you know what? I'm hungry. <laughs> Curiously enough, I feel like some eggs Benedict or something that I would have at Scotch one of those. Scotch eggs Benedict. Scotch eggs Benedict. Whoa, good fusion. Okay, okay. Another idea. We need to open the kitchen lab here at RPS. Thank you, ladies and germs, for listening. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about more of the stuff that happens in the pop cultural landscape. And we will be listening to more of those names in the small letters on the Primavera Sound 2022 lineup. Tickets are still available for weekend number two. Um, and to play us out, we are going to be looking at some of the best new music from Chile. Welcome to our special programmettes in which we at Radio Primavera Sound put the focus on the best new music from one particular country each time in collaboration with our friends at Primavera Pro. Today we are digging into Chile, a musical home to the likes of Javier Amena and Paloma Mami, as well as some truly delicious red wine. And I can imagine the music of our first artist, E.O., slipping down like a vintage Viñedo Chadwick. E.O., or I.O., I guess if you're uh, speaking in English, is the musical project of one Isidoro Orion, a Chilean cellist, singer and songwriter who's been making innovative music for more than a decade. In 2018, she launched her first solo project, E.O., with the aim of mixing electronic and classical sounds with an emphasis on the cello and the voice. Padre Encantado, which we are listening to now, is a wonderful example of this electronic acoustic mixture. Listen to how that bass line combines gnarled electronic flavor with acoustic funk. Lovely. Bye.
Padre Encantado is taken from IO's gorgeous debut album, Cienagas, is this song, Al Partir, which is, for me, the emotional centerpiece of the album, the perfect mixture of bumping beats and wistful melody. There's also a brilliant remix of this song by Nico Rosenberg on Fianaga Remix, a remix album of songs that came out in December 2020, offering fascinating reinterpretations of the songs found on Fianaga. We pass from one Chilean musical maverick to another. Odo is a long-standing musician who made his debut in 2010 with Déjame Dormir, an album of satisfyingly garagey indie rock. He then added an airy electronic element on his second album, Demonos El Tiempo, only to twist again, picking up on the influence of reggaeton in songs like Quiero Enamorarme, whose uh, very suave groove we're hearing right now. Odo favors reggaeton of the melodic and rather sweet Colombian fashion, rather than the rougher dance sounds of Puerto Rico. And the result is beautifully bittersweet pop music. Reggaeton with a tear in its eye and a sigh in its heart. Directamente a los ojos Yo tengo corazón roto No queda nada más que quebrar Nada por quebrar, which you're listening to now, is probably my favourite of his songs. It's catchy but deep, commercial without being too obvious, and you can see why he's done well internationally playing festivals in Mexico and the US, including South by Southwest. Can we briefly talk about Picante, though? It's his kind of cover of the Spice Girls' Wannabe with an added Latin sensuality, and I love it. And our final act today is La Ciencia Simple, a band from Santiago, Chile, who bring a kind of Latin touch to post and math rock. Yo 
Johan, what were you saying the other day about the enduring appeal of post-rock? Post-rock will never die, but we will. <laughs> it is one of those genres that just keeps on going, growing from strength to strength like a mutant rock phoenix. I love it. And I love La Ciencia Simples polyrhythmic, uh, mysterious take on the sound. The song we're listening to now is called Noistalgia, mm. which uh, is a great name. It's kind of name who, which basically perfectly sums up the mixture of rock attack and plaintive reflection. It's noise as a window into a gilded memory, Johan. They say you can tell a man by the company he keeps, and in the case of La Ciencia Simple, this seems particularly true. The band have supported Tortoise, Swans and Earth, and you can hear the influence of all three bands in La Ciencia Simple's music. But particularly Tortoise, though. Uh, this song is called La Sensación Más Antigua del Mundo, and it's taken from La Ciencia Simple's most recent album, 35. Seven. That's in uh, Roman numerals. And if you aren't getting the jazzy, atmospheric and slightly tricksy vibes of Chicago's finest post-rock outfit, i.e. Tortoise, then I don't know what is happening in your ears. This particular song is 12 minutes of the finest astral wandering. (laughs) 